Okay, let's pray. Father, we ask for your blessing on uh, as we go through the cults here and what they're all about. We pray that you would uh, help us just to invest in this information so that we know what we are up against as far as the enemy, the great deceiver, the dragon, Satan, uh, how he has deceived so many. And help us to have love for the individual, but Lord, help us to hate what the enemy is doing to them, leading them astray. We ask for your blessing on this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Purpose of the study here, it's cults and world religions. I'm not going to go through all the cults and all the world religions, but there are some pamphlets you can easily get. You can look online and uh, go over these if you want to know more. But I want to make sure that we understand what a cult specifically is, a Christian cult. There are non-Christian cults too, and then, of course, the world religions which are out there. But the purpose is to give a definition of a cult. Secondly, to examine some common characteristics of cults. Thirdly, to compare and contrast specific cults within Orthodox Christianity. And fourth, to explore a Christian response to cults in general. Uh, First, the definition of a cult. I think you have it on your outline there. Webster's Ninth New Collegiate Dictionary. A cult represents a religious body that is unorthodox or spurious. Unorthodox for us in our definition, it just, orthodox means right. What is right. Unorthodox means what is not right. In Walter Martin's book, uh, The Kingdom of the Cults, and that is, has been for a long time, the Bible on the cults. A cult is any religious group which differs significantly in some one or more aspects as to belief or practice from those religious groups which are regarded as the normative expression of religion in our total culture. A cult might also be defined as a group of people gathered about a specific person or person's misinterpretation of the Bible. So, some biblical cults. Can you guys name some? Some biblical cults. What? Nice one. Jehovah's Witness, yes. That's one. Another one? Scientology, that's one. Well, that's not really biblical. Yeah. That's a, a religion without a God, kind of like Buddhism. Uh, another Christian, Mormons. Yep, Mormons. Jim Jones, yes. He's one. I have a list here. <clears throat> some are Christian, some are not. Children of God, Christian Science, Ekankar, Est, E-S-T, now that's an older one, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, Oneness, Pentecostals, Rosicrucianism, Scientology, Self-Realization Fellowship, Silva Mind Control, the Unification Church or Unity Church, the Way International, and Theosophy. Those... That is somebody who believes UFOs are coming back. So, yeah, they're kind of in their own little outer space world. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You, will, you may recognize this name, who is a member who recently said, well, he buys into the Trinity now, kind of, but he also said... Well, you know, there are people in both camps, and we're all pretty much the same. T.D. Jakes is a oneness Pentecostal, if you've ever heard of T.D. Jakes. So he's a pretty big pastor out there on the East Coast. All right. Uh, Other world religions as opposed to cults, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Baha'i faith. Baha'i faith just accepts everybody, which I believe is a complete impossibility. Just those three that I listed for you are exclusive religions saying that they are the way. Uh, biblical examples of cults or false worship. Jeroboam, uh, he carried out animal worship in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 9. He was condemned by God for that. Uh, the Israelites worshipped the god Molech, and the nation of Israel, when Moses was up on the mountain, they made a golden calf. And so there was idolatry going on everywhere. Uh, Roman numeral 2 there examines some common characteristics of cults. There's different ways to divide this up, but you want to be able to recognize what is a symptom of a cult. Uh, 
and you might you guys have pens you can fill this in opposition to critical thinking and promotion of mindless acceptance in other words a cult member must accept what the cult leader believes without ever challenging their doctrine uh, they do not want their members to think critically for themselves now Mario we play a game in youth group you remember what that game is what it's called where we have the name on the back what is the purpose of that game to think critically and it the game is who am I and so you have to guess by a series of questions who somebody is so they have to deduce we're training the kids to think when we play that game in there and they're able to deduce to a certain point and come to a conclusion as to who they are and so a cult leader does not want you doing that and I know specifically I uh, Patty and I counseled a girl who was coming out of Mormonism and uh, when we would give her questions to go talk to her uh, elders they would say you're just being contentious and you need to not talk about these things they wanted her just to simply accept whatever it was they were teaching then secondly unquestioned preference for leadership over family in other words you have to be more loyal to the leader of the cult to the pastor to the elders to the deacons to whoever is leading that cult uh, than you are to your own family uh, your family you can be excommunicated from the church and the rest of your family can still be in the cult and they will tell the cult you stick with the church and just let your spouse go you know whatever happens there is just fine and so they teach that preference uh, Jehovah Witnesses do that they will excommunicate and they will tell you basically to shun your family they won't specifically say at least I haven't heard of them saying get a divorce but uh, Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses they pretty much say remain faithful to us rather than to your family thirdly excommunication for disobedience and disloyalty rather than providing counsel and assistance to do the will of God <clears throat> if somebody is a problem they will isolate uh, that individual and once they isolate them if they're still disobedient and they're not loyal they will actually use excommunication one time I was witnessing on a job to uh, about four or five Jehovah Witnesses and I happened to have a New World Translation in my truck and I pulled it out and I said I have some questions and I pointed to the direct scriptures and their first question to me was are you an ex-witness and I said no I am not I got this from New York and I've been studying it and they and they said okay and they were willing to talk to me I later found out that if I would have said yes they would have had the freedom to walk away and not talk to me because I would have been excommunicated so they don't like that disobedient person who is out there and also people are taught to m make lifelong commitments to the group in other words you're here for life now with these cults I will say this there are some churches that practice cultish behavior but they are not cults and one of them was the Boston movement of the Church of Christ and they would have uh, disciples and they would follow up on you and they would make sure they knew what you were doing and where you were going and you had to be baptized in their church in the name of Jesus only and if you fell away then you were probably weren't saved and there was a lot of intimidation going on but they do preach the gospel so uh, the Church of Christ some um, arms of the Church of Christ are like that fourth unwavering and unquestioned loyalty to the leader instead of to Jesus uh, if you find something in scripture that contradicts what the leader is saying the leader would behoove you to just get in line uh, that is a characteristic of a cult acceptance of immoral behaviors of the leader rather than exemplifying biblical or godly behavior uh, what's that guy's name in Utah that married the 13 year old or the 12 year old girl Jeffords Jeff Jeffords yeah so he would get involved in unbiblical or immoral behavior and the people were just asked to look the other way because this is okay because he was a leader sixth teach exclusivity of salvation in the cult while denouncing other faiths 
that means you can only be saved if you're in our church. And if you leave the church, you can talk to Cindy Pridgen about this. She came out of a Church of Christ church, and they would do that. Like, I'm so sorry you're going to another church because obviously you've lost your salvation. Uh, she, that was six, yes. Teach the exclusivity of salvation. Exclusivity. Teach the exclusivity of salvation in the cult while denouncing other faiths. Okay? Pardon me? Five, four is unwavering and unquestioned loyalty to the leader instead of to Jesus. Fifth is acceptance of immoral behaviors of the leader or leaders rather than exemplifying biblical godly behavior. Also, uh, seven, emphasizing special revelations or revelation that may add to God's word or that contradicts scripture. In other words, they will say, the Holy Spirit just revealed to me that we need to take the next step in our evolution as a church, and we need to, and you can lay out whatever it is. Um, like the Toronto Blessing, if you, any of you guys remember that, it was kind of like that. Like, you've got to get in step with the Spirit, brother, and you just got to you know, go with the flow. And it could be completely against God's word. It could contradict it. Things cults most often share. Number one, an authoritarian that structures philosophy and lifestyle. And by the way, as, as you're going through this, you should judge this church as well. If you see these characteristics, you need to say, something's wrong here. This is out of line. Any church that you would ever visit, that should be that way. Uh, secondly, demonstrate a we versus they complex, claiming superior revelation or insights in opposition to a hostile environment. And they would claim, well, we're being so persecuted for our faith. You know, we need to hold to the word of God because he has revealed this to us, that this is how we're supposed to be. Thirdly, zealous proselyte. I can almost get that out, of the unconverted. <clears throat> uh, what's the name of that Chinese church, Korean church that's doing that where God is in, in Santee? Have you guys heard about that? What's the name of that church? We've had people from that church come to houses of people in this church. And try to get them to go over there. Yeah, God is now a woman, and she's Korean, and uh, her husband was God, but they were both God, because God is both male and female, and you need to be a part of that church over there. So, a total cult. It's a, uh, what's the name of that street it's on? It's off of Fenita, where the 125, the bridge goes underneath. It used to be a brick. Baptist Church. Is it Prospect? I think it is Prospect. Goes under 125. It's just to the right there. Yeah, that's the one. So we talked about that in home Bible study when we, uh, Brenda was going through that actually. She had a family member going to that. Radical seclusion, number four, which separates devotees from the rest of the world. Pulls them to the side and say, come with us. Uh, fifth, spiritual blindness. Now, I have witnessed this one over and over and over. You take somebody to the Scripture. <clears throat> I was witnessing to a Church of Christ guy. Even though he was saved, he was telling me that I had to be baptized in order to be saved. And, you know, that, that, and it's the same at salvation. You get saved the same time you get baptized. And so I took him over to... Um, the book of Acts. I, again, I have my Bible in my truck and I took them to the book of Acts and I started going through when the Holy Spirit came upon these people and then later on they got baptized and I would point out to them or ask them the question. I'd say, these are two separate events you can tell by the text. And then his discipler came up and he was just sulfurous breath and talons and fangs hanging out and he, he said, what's your point? Like that. And then the, the other guy, the young guy, who's probably 21, 
he turns to me and goes, where did you get this? I said, in the Bible? You know, it's right there. I said, you need to avoid this guy. This guy is leading you. And the guy just went off a couple of times. Actually, the place that happened when I used to work with Trish and Frank over at, uh, it was Heatherwood Garden Apartments, I got more Jehovah Witnesses and Church of Christ and Mormons coming through there, and I would stop them all the time, and I'd witness to them. It was quite the uh, sight. And then I had a guy that was a, a foreman working with me, and he was on fire too. His name was Tim, and he would do the same thing. And so anybody that came into that complex when we were there, we had them. We, we just got them the Bible. Then uh, six allegorizing the scripture in other words there's not a little literal interpretation of the scripture they just make it up as they're going along uh, seventh the things cults most often share same words different meaning uh, like for instance mormons use uh, the phrase heavenly father but they don't use the phrase the heavenly father and they equate adam with Jehovah as one and the same. And um, hell is not hell and heaven is not heaven. There is the Heaven is the telestial, the celestial, and the terrestrial. And you can go to one of three places, but if you're not married, you don't make it to the highest one. And, and so there's different vocabulary uh, for these different cults. Uh, definition of a cult, I don't, I don't know if you guys have this one or not. Other criteria that may be defined as, as cult? Yeah, okay, you got that. <clears throat> now, this one I, I found interesting. The first is behavioral control. Uh, for example, monitoring of where you go and what you do. They keep track of you. Somebody is put in charge of you. Secondly is information or informational control such as discouraging members from reading criticisms of the group. You know, of Calvary Chapel, I was just on a couple of websites this morning reading about Calvary Chapel and what people didn't like about it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the third is thought control, placing sharp limits on doctrinal questions, just as I gave you the example about the girl who was coming out of Mormonism. The fourth is emotional control using humiliation or guilt. Now, this would be Jim Jones who did that. You guys know the story how he would line up the church and give each one of them a swat with a paddle to keep them in line and to humiliate them. <clears throat> also, the fifth is financial control. Uh, this specifically would be keeping track of what you give or hiring somebody and giving them a stipend in order to control their behavior. Bring them on staff and say, well, now that we're paying you, this is what is expected of you and this is what you have to do to the point of it's almost enslavement. Um, this girl that we were helping come out of Mormonism, she also told us that they checked at the end of the year to see that what you made matched what you gave. And if it didn't, they said she told us that they would have you make it up and if you didn't make it up if you couldn't make it up they would have somebody else given your place in the church to make sure that all the money was coming in that's why they're bigger than a fortune 500 company <clears throat> sixth extreme leadership there is the autocratic <clears throat> the type of guy who has control over every single decision that's made, over every single detail. It has to pass his desk and his approval. Or the dictator who just says, it will be like this and get used to it. You are submissive to the leadership. After all, Scripture says that, right? And so there are churches like that, and there are churches that abuse is what they are. Uh, then there's also... Um, the paternalistic and the democratic. The paternalistic is they put their arm around you and they pull you in and say, come on, brother, we can do this. Come on, we'll walk side by side and we'll get this done. And then there's the democratic where everybody has a vote. What do you guys think? Let's have a committee and have the committee vote on it and then take it to the whole church. And, and we don't operate like that here at Calvary Chapel. It's more just do it or you're kicked out. That's how it works. 
Just kidding. I take erase that from the the tape. That's not how we do things around here. <clears throat> Anyhow, I don't want to get into that too much because I want to focus on the cults here. Now, compare and contrast contrast specific world religions and cults with Orthodox Christianity. Uh, Islam. I don't know if, if you guys have looked into Islam at all, but um, there's a guy. His name is. Dr. Bill Warner, and you can look him up on YouTube, and he is a, he will call himself a scientist. He is not a theologian, and he has studied the Koran. He says in a couple of his teachings, he likes to read the really thick, heavy technical books. That's what he does. He just flips through them and religious books and he gets them all and he has even rewritten the Koran to make it easily understandable uh, to those people who are not Muslims. And he talks about the wars and he talks about the crusades and how they were a response to the 1400 years of the invasion by the Muslims and they only responded for 300 years uh, in the crusades and they were a response to the Muslim invasion all over Europe. He has maps and he shows every single battle and what they took and what they um, actually by force took away from the Christians in all of the 1040 window from Africa to Spain to France and all the way over to Yemen and Saudi Arabia and all of that region. He's a good guy to listen to if you really want to become informed. Uh, salvation depends upon man's actions and attitude and judgment of works. But there's no guarantee that you get to go to paradise if you're a man with 72 virgins. And I think uh, it's nine boys, too. I think that is also in there. Uh, to be a Muslim, you must, one, recite the basic creed. There is not God, but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. They are doing this in seventh grade in the schools in California. They're having the kids recite this stuff. They're having them learn the five pillars, which we'll get to in a minute. Recite prayers in, the, in praise of Allah five times daily while facing Mecca. Give money to the poor. Fast for one month a year. That's during Ramadan. Uh, make pilgrimage at least once during his lifetime to Mecca, the city where Allah revealed the Quran. Uh, to Muhammad. Okay, uh, one quarter of the people on earth will consider themselves Muslims. Pew Research Center estimates that there's about 3.3 million Muslims of all ages living in the United States in 2015. That means that 1% of the population is Muslim. Uh, also, by 2050, they say there will be No, I didn't have the number for 2015. Um, that's all you have down there, right? I don't want to get too in-depth into that. I could take all night. Now, the five pillars are the Tashahud, the declaration that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is his prophet, the Salat, a ritual prayer in Arabic performed five times daily. These are the things I just gave you. The Sakat, giving alms to the poor, the Sa'um, which is fasting, the Hajj, which is the pilgrimage to Mecca. So those are the five things that I just gave you. They are the five pillars. So that is the Muslim religion. And by the way, if you listen to Dr. Bill Warner, he will tell you that there are actually two Qurans. In one of them, <clears throat> it will say, you know, live at peace with the unbeliever. And the other one, it says, kill the unbeliever. And one is political and one is supposed to be religious. And so whichever one suits them, that's the one that they use. And he says there are two, but I think that they're all combined into one. There's the Hadith and then there's the Quran. And they use the teaching of the, um, uh, what do they call the guys? I forget the guys' names. But they're leaders. They listen to the teaching of these guys. And whatever they say, whether it's war or peace, that's what they do. And a lot of times on Friday, uh, they will go out and they will riot because they've been all ginned up across the world by these uh, teachers of Islam. Okay, so that's the Muslim religion. Then there are the Jehovah Witnesses, founded by Charles T. Russell in 1852 to 1916 is when he lived. 
His book of choice is the New World Translation. I have one, and uh, reasoning from the scriptures, I've been through it. There are most of the scriptures that deal with the deity of Christ, they have changed. And by the way, as a, this is going to be the last point on the follow-up or the uh, application. But most cults have an issue with the deity of Christ or the Trinity. They either say that Jesus is not who scripture says he is, like for instance in uh, Mormon religion, uh, Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer. That they were equal, Lucifer was the bad son, and Jesus was the good son. And in Jehovah Witnesses, Jesus is Michael, the archangel. He is just a spirit being, and now again he is a spirit being. Of course, that flies in the face in the end of the book of Luke where it says that it, I am flesh and bone. I am not ghost, right? But the Jehovah Witnesses will say that he is a spirit being. Also, they consider the Holy Spirit an invisible active force of Almighty God, not a person. And the Trinity, and by the way, in, in Acts chapter 5, it will tell you that Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Trinity is a creation of Satan and not God. Guess who came by our house today? You got one too, didn't you? Yeah. So uh, they drop these off all the time. And by the way, if you want one coming to your house, if you want to get practiced on witnessing, just, and I'm looking for the, it's not on here. They have a address in New York where you can send for your free New World Translation and they will send it to you. Uh, sometimes they want a gift. You don't send them a gift. Just ask for the book. They'll send it to you. You can get reasoning from the scriptures as well. And it'll arrive at your door. And within a few days, you'll have a Jehovah Witness show up at your door. And so you can witness to them all you want to if you do that. Uh, salvation is faithfully uh, being a witness of Jehovah and redemption through the man, Jesus Christ. He is not God. Uh, the resurrection and glory. Everyone is given a second chance. And by the way, if they come to your house and they say, you need to become a witness, here's what you say. Well, look, if I don't choose your way, I get a second chance, right? And they will say, yes. But if you don't choose my way, Scripture says it is appointed unto man once to die and then comes judgment, you don't get a second chance, correct? And they will say, yes. Then say, which one do you think you should choose? You know, if you get a second chance, hey, it's all good. It doesn't matter what you do, as long as you're a good person, right? Then there are six steps to being a convert. There's an initial visit, a uh, call back. Have you guys ever had somebody come back and actually sit with you and study with you? I've had the privilege of doing that. It's, it was enjoyable. Anyhow, uh, they then take you to a home study group and then to a larger group, then to the kingdom hall, a midweek lecture, learn how to go door to door, and then baptism. Around August, they rent out Jack Murphy Stadium, and they have everybody go down there. And I was actually invited by one of the Jehovah Witnesses from the Kingdom Hall in Lakeside uh, to go. They, and they knew, I know they knew that I was a pastor, and they thought if they get, because I was being friendly, I was talking to them. And they thought, if we can just get him, we'll get the whole church. You know, so didn't happen. Uh, they, their doctrines, total annihilation. They believe that if you don't believe the way they believe, that you will actually cease to exist. You will go to sleep and not dream, never wake up. You will no longer have an imprint whatsoever. Uh, Jesus is not God. I've already told you that. Therefore, he cannot be worshipped as such. And they turn uh, words that are... Um, Referring to Jesus as in they worshipped him, they turn it to obeisance. They pay obeisance like being respectful. Uh, they also believe that their group has the 144,000 that are listed in the book of Revelation, chapter 7 and 14. And then uh, they've already said that Jesus was going to return 1873, 1874, 1877. Uh, I think 1925, I didn't put that one in there, and 1975. And when he didn't show up physically, they said, well, he came back spiritually. So they got it wrong like five times. Um, not a good track record. The Mormons, Joseph Smith, 
is supposed to be the one true Messiah. Jesus was his forerunner. The book of choice is the quad. Have you guys ever seen the quad that they have? It's four books in one. It's about that thick. And if it's a smaller one, the, the printing is like four font on there. And it's the Book of Mormon, Doctrines and Covenant, Pearl of Great Price, and the King James Bible. Uh, God, Elohim, is the Eternal Father. Jesus was the firstborn and is Jehovah, to whom all others are juniors. Lucifer is the spirit brother of Jesus. They are polytheists. You probably have heard me say this phrase before, as man now is, God once was, as God now is, man may become. God had sexual relations with Mary to conceive Jesus. Jesus was married to Mary, Martha, and Mary Magdalene. The Holy Spirit is a personage of the Spirit, does not have a body like the Son or the Father, is not omnipotent. It's kind of like electricity, which proceeds from the Father and fills the earth and the air and is everywhere present. Uh, salvation, remission of sins can only be achieved by total immersion in baptism. And that is, again, why they have Ancestry.com. They own that. It's across from the temple in Salt Lake City. Uh, they are baptized for the dead in absentia. They're not there, obviously. They're dead. And so they can gain favor uh, for them in the afterlife. And you have to be baptized according to their uh, precepts or teachings. And their doctrines, marriage is paramount, the priesthood, and also blacks. Blacks used to be prohibited from being in the priesthood. They called it the curse of Ham, who looked upon his father's nakedness. Noah was his father, and therefore he was cursed with dark skin. And that is actually in their scriptures. In the book of Abraham also... This is just a side note. You probably won't remember this, and I'm just going to tell you it, but I think you have the scriptures listed there. In the scriptures in the book of Abraham, in chapter uh, 1, verse 26 and beyond, Pharaoh was considered a righteous man, and his son Egyptus, and that's how they got the name Egypt, and of course all of this is made up. But since Pharaoh was an idolater, Nobody that came from the lineage of the Egyptians could serve in the priesthood. The ironic thing about that is every Mormon today gets a patriarchal blessing from a leader in the Mormon church, and they are told that they belong to one of the two tribes, the tribe of Ephraim or the tribe of Manasseh. Most of the guys that I have talked to, the elders that are 17 years old that run around on their bikes and white shirts and ties, they are usually of the tribe of Ephraim. And then I ask him about this book of Abraham because Pharaoh and anybody who is an Egyptian was prohibited from serving in the priesthood. And they are big on the priesthood. They have this priesthood that is like none other. But it says, if you're of this lineage, Egyptians, you cannot serve in the priesthood. Well, if you know who the parents of Ephraim and Manasseh are, they are Joseph and the daughter of the priest of On, who was Egyptian. Therefore, they're disqualified by their own doctrine from serving in the priesthood. When you tell them that, they say, you are being contentious. I've even had them yell at me and say, get behind me, Satan, and go on the other side of the street and try to get away from me. Um, and, you know, I, I say that a little bit in jest, but they are blinded. They cannot see, and it's more difficult to try to convert somebody who is in a cult than it is somebody who's just a plain heathen that has no particular belief whatsoever. Um, going on. Well, that's, yeah, I just want to get to the end of it here. Explore a Christian response to the cults in general. First, uh, we all need to understand that God loves them and wants to save them just as much as he loves us and wants to save us. Second Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Um, number one there that you have, know the word. If you know the word and you watch your doctrine closely, you will be able to defend what God says when they come to your door. I know a lot of Christians when the Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons come to their door, they simply say, 
we know what we believe, we're Christians, and the Jehovah Witnesses will try to be a little bit pushy on it, but usually the Christian just shuts the door. I'm telling you that if you are prepared, you open the door, you set them down. And there's some scripture that says, don't even invite them into your house. You know, I, I believe what that means is, don't be accepting of what they have to say. Bring them into your house, set them down, get them uh, the Mormons won't drink coffee or Pepsi. You can give them a 7-Up or some water. Uh, the Jehovah Witnesses, offer them anything. Give them cookies, have something ready to go, sit them down. Open up your New World Translation that you got from New York, and probably that's the reason why they're there, and go through that and go to John twenty twenty eight and ask them specifically. Does it say there in the text that Thomas is calling Jesus God? And that's one they haven't changed. And yes, the answer is yes. And then say, you know, you need to repent. And then give them the second chance thing. And let them know about that. And say their very eternity is at stake. And by the way, they believe they will come back to this earth and be resurrected here on this earth. And they will not go to heaven. Only the 144,000 go to heaven. Even though John chapter 14 says clearly... He goes away to prepare a place for us that where he is we may be also and he's going to come back to take us to where he is. Even though scripture says that, they don't believe that. So we want to make sure that we know the word. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Secondly, know the cult. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. We want to make sure that we're so used to uh, the scripture that when we see the cult, we recognize the cult, we recognize the behavior. If you walk away with anything from a cult, just remember it's all about control. Those things that I gave you, the behavioral, the informational control, the financial control, all of that, the relationship control, they can tell you. For instance, uh, Reverend Sung Young Moon. You ever see those mass weddings that they had in Korea? They would just assign a man and a woman together, dress them up, and get them married. And even after that, they wouldn't even see each other after that. And he was just, he was a bizarre, he was a weird guy. Anyhow, so you want to know the cult. If they're in this area, know how to uh, counteract what they're trying to teach. Also, uh, know the answer. He must hold firmly, and this is talking about elders and deacons, those who are in leadership. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So yeah, you have to be able to pull out your sword and wield it, the sword being the word of God. You want to have some of those scripture memorized. And I've tried, when I witness to these individuals, I've tried to do it both ways. I've tried to pull out my sword and I will just hack away. I will, I will just slice. And when I was young in the Lord, I figured they needed to know what the scripture was and they needed to repent and I, I would... You know, just stick them with it. And then I would try to be gentle, uh, trying to lead them on. That's how I got invited to the Jehovah Witnesses baptism down at the stadium down there. Of course, I never went, but I was able to give them a reasoned response. But now I've, I've tried to combine that with drawing a conclusion and warning them what is to come, whether it's the Jehovah Witnesses or how they are in error. And I don't think I've ever had a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness repent. Well, maybe one, the girl that we uh, talked to. But they're difficult. They won't. And I even talked to one guy. I brought in a guy and his uh, wife. And he had, they used to use the King James Bible in the Jehovah Witnesses in the Kingdom Hall. Uh, but they, it's not quite as accepted. And before that, they had this, what was known as a diaglot. And in the diaglot, some of the uh, scriptures have not been changed. And so we would go through the scriptures, and the guy would find out that the scriptures have not been changed. And so he was kind of being stumped by his own Bible right there. And it was causing him to be flustered. And I got to a point where he just wanted to talk over me because he was getting nervous because... He didn't have anything to say. 
And at that point, I stopped them. I said, if I can give you some more scriptures and I can sit down with you and show you that these scriptures are correct, the ones that I've been giving you, would you change? And he took his Bible, slammed it shut and says, no, I will not. And I said, okay. I said, we're done. You know, and I escorted him out and said, thank you very much for, you know, taking your time with me. But... um, even Chuck Smith said it's more difficult to witness to a Jehovah Witness or to a Mormon than it is to somebody who's just a pagan. You know, so uh, the last one there is uh, the Godhead. There's always an attack on the Godhead. The God isn't who Scripture says he is. We believe in the Trinity, and the Trinity is represented to us as three distinct personalities. They are one in essence, and it is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they... They do not mix in their personality, but they are one in their essence. Uh, T.D. Jakes would say that, at least he used to say, that the Holy Spirit is just a manifestation of God, and Jesus is a manifestation of God, and the Father is a manifestation of God. And that is actually Sabellianism or modalism. That's what the uh, theological terms for that is. And oneness Pentecostals, to answer the question that Nate had, if you go to a Pentecostal church, I would say it's okay to go to a Pentecostal church if they are Trinitarian in their belief. Now, if you like a little more lively service, they're a little bit more into charismania as opposed to being charismatic. And uh, it can go on for hours. Uh, Autumn and Johnny once told me that they went to a church and how it was kind of scary, you know, the uh, Pentecostalism that was there. But they were believers. They just take it to the nth degree. Uh, things like, I, I remember seeing a video once of um, uh, women dressed up in white with flowers around their hair, head, barefoot, running up and down the aisles as music was playing and up on stage were men and women who were part of the choir jumping up and down as high as they could with as much effort as they could while in the back of the church people would be doing the same thing or they'd be on their faces prostrate before the Lord and then you'd have some standing and some sitting in the aisles and some would be singing in a known language and others would be singing in an unknown language pretty much just a washing machine of a service uh, going on and some people would carry around banners and the Lord is a banner over me that's one of the names of the Lord his banner is over me and so they carry banners that's the big idea with banners and they'll carry those up and down uh, the aisles or they'll be on the walls all over the walls and and so that that is just like a little wild for me I'm a little more conservative than that And so uh, I would encourage you guys to stick to the scripture when it comes to uh, a cult or cultish behavior. But the oneness Pentecostals, they are definitely a cult. They do not believe in the Trinity. They believe in modalism. They believe that God just appears in different forms. Even though scripture says, for instance, when Jesus got baptized, what happened? There was a voice from heaven that says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased in the King James. And as Sarah said, the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon Jesus, which John the Baptist was a witness to. And so how do you do that? How do, and I once talked to somebody about that, and they said, Well, don't you think Jesus could have thrown his voice? And I said, then you want me to believe that he was trying to deceive the people that were there. And that is not a part of who God is. So, any questions about cults? Pardon me? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever... Alan once sent me a um, description of that. You have the Jews that are there and they are represented by the star of David and you have the crescent moon which is trying to kill those who are part of the star of David and they eventually want to kill those who are part of the cross 
and then uh, what is the yin and yang uh, there's good and there's bad and you get into that philosophy and they're just they would mark it up to karma like well you know sometimes bad things happen and sometimes there's good to even it out and there's this good and evil you guys know that in that teardrop that curved teardrop and the other one goes around that's a yin and yang <clears throat> and it, it's just people clearly lack understanding if they have that as a bumper sticker they don't know what they're saying and all they want to do is say just like rodney king can't we just get along they're all exclusive and look at christianity it's exclusive Nobody can get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through him. That's pretty exclusive, right? And then if you go to the Jews, they say, no, there is no other God. If you have any other God whatsoever, you are an idolater, and you are deserving of being stoned. And then if you look at the Muslims, they say, no, there is one God, and he is Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And Jesus was a prophet. They will consider Jesus a prophet. And also Abraham was a prophet. And Moses was a prophet. But Muhammad is the latest incarnation of that. So you need to listen to him. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to be Muhammad. That's the way it's going to happen. He's just going to transform himself. I read that somewhere. And, and so, you know, you just, you look at the stuff and you go, really? What, don't, even in here, please don't check your brain at the door as you walk in. If you hear me say something, and Eric's pretty good about this, he goes, you didn't mention this. And I, yeah, well, I did. You know, I, he just came up to me Sunday, and he said, well, you didn't mention this. I said, well, no, I did a few weeks ago. And so he's constantly checking me, So, uh, and that's good. And we need to check each other. That's like the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they examined what Paul said daily to see if they examined the Scriptures to see if what Paul said was true, and they did it daily. You know, so... Be on your guard against this stuff. And there are, there are movements out there right now that uh, seek to control. We have some good friends in Arizona. They're going to a church that's making this switch. And they're making this switch over, I'm trying to think of the name of the organization, but they have a whole website and a lot of uh, reformed people. John Piper, he's part of it. Alistair Begg, he's part of it. And Yes, and it's, well, let, let me finish. It's making this transition from what it was originally supposed to be. Even Billy Graham's grandson used to blog on their website, and he told them, well, I'm going to go to my own website in August, and it was like January, and they came back and said, you can do it now. You know, it's like, get out of there. We don't want you here anymore. And And there's... 21 or 31 people involved with this group and they're not so bad and, and they want to be relevant to taking the gospel to the world but there's this offshoot that's coming off of that where it controls the believers for instance if if i came to you as a church and i asked you guys to sign up and say a covenant that would make a covenant between all of us that we would hold to, that you promise to pray for others, you promise to stay here, you promise to um, serve, you promise to give of your money, you, you, and we do this as a covenant, and we all repeat it together. If I ever do that, just shoot me. I mean, literally, just shoot me. Because God never calls us to make covenants with one another, when, except when do we make a covenant? Marriage. We make a covenant in marriage. And you do that with one person. I'm sorry I'm not married to you guys. You're not even as cute. All right? <clears throat> and so when it comes to making covenants, you get to make a covenant with one person besides Jesus Christ. We are in the covenant of blood with him, and we make a covenant with our spouse. That's it. You don't even make a covenant with your kids. But there are churches, and I have one in my email that gets repeated every time there's a church meeting this church repeats this covenant and then they check on you and I mean it's just it's wild and, and you have to be aware of that stuff you know if God ever calls you guys somewhere um, I would love to have you stay here forever but if you don't you know that's one of the things they do too that we're going to make a lifelong commitment you guys are here until I tell you you can leave, you know, or until I ask you to leave, that type of thing. 
<clears throat> that type of stuff goes on all the time in Christian churches. And so you'll want to be aware of it. It is cultish behavior. Christ died to set you free. Those who are leaders are supposed to be the servants of all. They are supposed to give you directly the word of God. They are not to give their commentary on it. They're supposed to let scripture interpret scripture. They can illuminate it, but you want to make sure they're not adding anything to it. Those are sure signs that you are in the wrong church. Okay, so uh, questions? Yeah. Mosaic. Mosaic. Were the Pharisees living by it? No, the Pharisees were living by the covenant. They didn't combine it with faith. They thought all they had to do was do the works. So, and, and that was the problem uh, with the people in the Exodus. They didn't believe God, you know, and that's why they didn't enter the promised land. So, yeah, it, there's the Adamic, there's the Noahic, there's the Mosaic, uh, there's... I can't even remember the rest of them. There's seven or eight of them. You know them, Eric? Davidic. Yeah, that's right. Davidic covenant. Yeah, so anyhow, other questions? You guys got it down. You're all set, right? You're going to pull out your swords. Cut things up. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the chance to go through this. We ask that again that you would help this information to stick and help us to be willing and able uh, to take on these false doctrines which are out there and those who would control. Help us to um, be ready to be used to liberate those who are caught in these cults and who are being deceived. With your help, we will succeed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for coming.